And hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the A Full Quota podcast. Uh, my name is Mpo Mutlani, as I try to get the name of the of the show up uh, on a thing, and I've got Tim Dell Lace with me um, for this uh, broadcast, as we normally do. Tim's my partner in crime in everything that happens with the Full Quota podcast. Tim... We've got something very special for our, our, our listeners and our viewers coming into the Cricket World Cup. Uh, it is cricket, Women's Cricket World Cup times. So we're going to get guests from different teams as the momentum approaches navigate the seven fixtures they need to navigate to to get themselves into the playoffs or the semifinals and then eventually, hopefully, um, give us that maiden World Cup crown that we're, we're chasing. And so uh, today we have a guest, Tim. Uh, I'm going to give you the honors. I just want to let people know before I hand over to you that they obviously subscribe. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and tweet us the one more they saw. We will be covering most of the South African games, so please do be on the lookout for that. And also uh, the Bangladesh series is happening in and around the World Cup time for the men. And so there's going to be lots of cricket happening in, in, in March and April. So please do watch out for that. Tim, what country are we focusing on today? Today we are focusing on England and we've got a commentator who will be uh, with the uh, Test Match Special team over in England. Uh, so mm. you'll be able to listen in on the games that she does. Um, and yeah, so she she's based in the yeah, Bath region of England, and, and we'll be talking all things England, which uh, will be a little bit spicy considering what happened in the last World Cup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we know. So let's uh, bring Melissa's story on to let us know um, about the defending 50 overall champions, um, England. Um, and so obviously we did... South Africa did have a bit of a situation and, and, and win that group game against England that in the World Cup in Australia, that was a T20 one. But Melissa, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm surprised you brought up that semi-final, to be honest, because it was on my list of taboo subjects to not bring up. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we talk about all, all things there, all things. Yes. The good and the yes. bad. <laughs> I mean, it would be like an English commentator not speaking about the Ashes, which we desperately want to do, but of course we have to, unfortunately. Well, that's where I think we're going to be starting um, with the Ashes, so I do apologise for that. Um, obviously, the Ashes didn't go well for, the, for obviously the men's and the women's team, but the women's team um, as well. And I think for me, looking at that at that series, it kind of felt like it was preparation for... Uh, the England women's team to get um, some reps, some games in that uh, place around the world where it's the two colonies, New Zealand and Australia, similar pitches, similar conditions um, to get get used to it. Obviously, it wasn't great, but what was the value that you think the team gained out of that Ashes series um, coming into this World Cup that's happening in a, in a few weeks' time? I mean, first of all, I'd agree with you that the fact you've got an Ashes series but it's feeling like preparation for a World Cup is really strange and of course they were meant to play the T20s at the end of the Ashes series those were moved forward to accommodate for the World Cup so you've got this historic series between England and Australia and as you say it did feel like a practice for this World Cup but I think it will give England maybe just it 
a little bit of a warm up to them. Obviously, it's not ideal with the results they suffered, particularly those three losses in the 50 over format mm. at the end. That's not going to be great for England's morale. The positives, though, is that they were playing Australia and Australia are undoubtedly favourites for this World Cup. Mm. There's almost a question of who's going to come in second place, who's going to make that other final spot, which is a, a negative way to think about it, really. Mm. But England, Australia, likewise, South Africa with their series with the West Indies, that's going to be invaluable for them. But I mean, the, the current series of you've also got New Zealand's women and Indian women are playing out there at the moment, a 5 ODIs. Mm. I think they've and India won one the best as Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think it, it is interesting, but hopefully England could take just a bit of practice. As you say, the similarity between the Australian and the New Zealand pitches will, will be beneficial for them, hopefully. Okay. Yes, uh, you said you hope that. Um, I was able to watch a, a fair amount of it. It seemed to me that although England did reasonably well with the ball, in the, if we're focusing on the ODIs, it was the batting that struggled. They, 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 they got themselves into a really bad situation. And then on the odd occasion when they got themselves into an okay position, they weren't able to go into the next gear, if you like. So they got themselves into a into a clock by and they just weren't able to get out. Do you have any idea as to why that was? Okay, Australia's quality side. But England are, you know, the next best, next best on, are they not? They, I mean, I, I'd say there's a few kind of on this same platform under Australia now. And usually you almost had Australia up here, England below, and then the likes of New Zealand, South Africa, India. But I really think it's levelled out a lot over these last few years. And England's kind of got to watch their back. But I agree entirely. And I mean, the first example of that, which glared out, was the, the first T20, the only T20 they played. England had a fantastic first inning score with Tammy Beaumont, Danny White mm. making runs. And their bowlers completely lost it. And in fact, not only their bowlers, but England's fielding was, I would say, across the Ashes series, quite a poor. They really pride themselves on their fielding a lot of the time. And it's a massive thing, having been part of these domestic training in the UK before, Fielding is the number one priority. Women want to be performing at the same level as male professionals on a fielding level because that is where it's it could be completely even. So, and again, I, I agree with you in the ODIs, especially I think the third ODI, England got Australia out for a low score around 200 runs. And anyone listening at home, we were staying up all night going, finally, this is a win for England. We can chase this down. But yeah, I would agree. The batting is... It's really interesting. There's a few questions, I would say, going into this World Cup for England. Obviously, Heather Knight is in fantastic form, and I know we'll be coming back to her later, but she is almost the the Joe Root of that England women's mm. side, just the anchor who everyone else almost has to bat around. But the bowling department for England is so strong. You've got Brunt and Siva mm. as an option, Shrubsole coming in. Kate Cross has excelled these last few years, and it's great to see that. And then the likes of Spin with Eccleston, who's world-class, world and Charlie Dean, who I'm friends with, so I'll scream about her for the rest of my time <laughs> on this podcast. But, yeah, the, the batting has been disappointing. And when you've got – you look at the names in that team and you're going, hang on, we've got Beaumont, we've got Wyatt, we've got Siva and Dunkley coming up through the ranks. Why are we not performing? And – 
I think in these these they've got the two warm up games. I think England do, so they're really going to have to figure out something there. And I think the biggest problem is their opening slot. Tammy Beaumont is completely solidified in that opening spot, but who's she going to be accompanied with? You've got Winfield Hill, who personally I think may just be going beyond her prime. She she was good when she started out for England, but just recently, every time she's gone to the crease, she's looked like she's struggled. She's given a few too many chances and is getting, you know, about a 25 runs, but off something like 50, 60 balls. In modern one-day cricket, that is not a high enough strike rate. Then as an alternative option, you've got Danny Wyatt, the opener in the T20s, who can go in there, get you a feisty mm. 30 off maybe 25 balls. But there is the risk with her, a bit in a Jason Roy sense, that she may get a duck or she may get a 50. There is no in-between very often with Danny Wyatt. And then finally, the new contender, you've got Emma Lamb, who opened for mm. Emma Lamb, who got pushed into the final ODI in the Ashes, First ball against Elise Perry going, don't worry, just face one of the best bowlers of the women's history ever. And unfortunately <laughs> got that big two ball duck in the end. But yeah, England's got to work out that opening order because as you see so often in women's cricket, those two openers, they te- set the tone for the innings going mm. ahead. This is an interesting one because I'm, I'm listening to you and it feels like you know, it feels like, it, well, if, if it was like somebody just normally just listening to the podcast, they'd feel like England are a team trying to break through and they're trying to fight their way through. Like in this World Cup, they're going to find some struggles. But when you look at the landscape of women's cricket around the world, it's England and Australia. South Africa and all the other teams are fighting for the other two spots, you know, in, in the semifinals. And then they'll, they'll figure out how to navigate that. I know the benchmark, obviously playing Australia kind of gave you uh, England the benchmark as to where they are. But from every with, with everybody else in mind, where do you think this, every other team in mind, where do you think this England team sits? Are there any countries you're worried about? Do you think that the game has gotten a lot closer in terms of quality compared to what had happened four years ago um, in the Caribbean? Um, where does this team sit, not in the context of Australia, but in the context of everybody else? Because I understand the frustrations of Australia. And I think in this World Cup, they, they are the perennial favourites. But there are other teams in and around you in that tier below that could break through. But is this squad set up for that? I think if England go out there and they perform the best they can, then in my personal opinion, they are still the second to Australia. However, from recent series, if they don't quite get things right, and as Tim said, if they let when the ball's in their court and they just let it leave and release that pressure, then my three teams who pose the biggest challenge is you've got New Zealand, you've got a seriously experienced squad, which is similar to England with some really good youthful players coming up like Amelia Kerr and their bowling attack really bring quite a lot of excitement into this game. As we mm-hmm. saw in that series recently between New Zealand and India, they can just pull something out of the bag. If Susie mm-hmm. Bates at the top of the order or <laughs> Sophie Devine gets going, and if England suddenly release that pressure, they could apply quite a bit to them. Again, and this isn't just sucking up, but South Africa, mm-hmm. apart from Danover Nierkirk, they are playing the same team they played in the last World Cup. They are mm-hmm. the most experienced team in this World Cup going into it. It's incredible, to be honest. And again, they've got the likes of Woodward at the top of the order. You've got Lizelle Lee. 
if they can strike and set a good platform, put the pressure on Brunton Civet in those power play overs, suddenly the game can be taken away. And they've got such an exciting bowling attack as well with Cap and Ishmael and these younger seamers coming through that they could pose a threat to, to England if they don't really go in there hard. And then finally, India, who I just, they frustrate me. Because I think a lot of <laughs> parallels can be drawn with the India women's team and the India men's team of just this this type of one-day cricket they play. It feels old-fashioned. And I, I don't know whether this is something to do with their cricketing board, but India will either go into a game and perform just adequately or out of nowhere they will bring a performance which just sweeps the opposition mm. away. So I don't think you can ever rule them out you've just got to hope you catch them on a day where they're feeling a bit old-fashioned and I mean by leaving <laughs> Jamima Rodriguez outside their squad maybe the teams no, are going few we don't have to bowl at her but yeah I think those four any any of those teams in England New Zealand South Africa and um India it could be a completely open field entirely. And I think those are going to be the most exciting games of the tournament to keep an eye on for anyone watching and mm. or tuning in overnight, then focus on those tight games because there's going to be some exciting, exciting clashes, I think. Yeah, no, that, that's very true. I, I, I think you got, you got right on there. I think it's a lot more even now than it, than it has been in recent years. So if, if they are certainly instead of there being two, maybe three teams, it's actually maybe five teams on their day that could really cause a lot of upsets in this World Cup, Just was great to see. Um, what about the, the England squad? In terms of the, the actual squad that was named, were there any surprises? Was there anyone there that you thought, well, uh, I'm a bit surprised that she's there, and vice versa, a bit surprised that somebody's missing out? Were there any... any Emissions. I think I, I think the team they announced was quite expected in the end. The only um, kind of anomaly being Sarah Glenn obviously opting not to travel as a reserve um, because of mental health, not wanting to be in that bubble, of course, which we've heard from so many players is so difficult. So, of course, most people will be so sympathetic with that. But looking at their team, they've announced the two younger players who maybe I think you've got um, Emma Lamb is the one I named earlier as a batter. You've got Charlie Dean, the young off spinner, and you've got um, Davis as a backup as well, who's another exciting young player. But I think if you're looking at that playing 11, it, you've got some very established players in there with Beaumont, Knight, Siver, Dunkley, Wyatt, Eccleston, Shrubsoul. You've suddenly got eight players in there who aren't going to be leaving that squad. And I think, as I've said before, I think there's a good mix there of experience and some players who will be playing in their last 50 over World Cup and younger players who absolutely, this is going to be the most exciting moment of their careers so far. So if England can strike that balance correctly, I think the first 10 overs of their bowling innings, if they do play Brunt and Shrubsoul, are going to be massive because that has the ability to completely decimate the opposition team or if the opposition comes at them hard, then it could throw England all over the place. But for me, the key players are the captain in Knight. If she has a good innings, then everyone else around her almost draws confidence from her and injects it into their own innings. So that's essential. And then the bowling for me, although you've got the excitement of Brunt and Shrubs or the new ball, 
England's best tactic I've seen so far is Eccleston and Cross in the middle overs. And that's one thing England does get really right with their bowling is they everyone knows their roles. Absolutely. And Cross and Eccleston come in in those middle overs. Cross's role is to be economical. She's not too concerned about wickets. She will bowl it full. She will make the players, the batters play the ball and allow Eccleston just to build up that pressure at the other end and luckily get a few more of the wickets, which I know Kate Cross almost always comments on. But Eccleston, as one of the best women spinners in the world right now, yeah, her, her middle overs could be quite interesting in this competition. So I'd say a strong team. I'm not expecting many surprises in selection, unless, of course, the coaching staff, because of COVID reasons, have to come on the pitch. Because I have seen that the poor oh, yes. England cricket's doctor and physio have been involved in fielding drills for the last three days. Um, and if I was their team doctor, I would not be happy about that. I'd be excited, by the way. I would love to do that. We had a situation like that in South Africa, I think it was five years ago, um, where one of the players was, was was injured and largely because of the transformation rules in domestic cricket, they had to find a black coach to kind of fill in. And so you had this 40-year-old, I think, I think Jeffrey Toyota was that, that old. Uh, he came down into the Lions kit once more and was fielding at fine leg for until there are some college kid um, to come over the fence and get in and do and, and be a fielder. So I've seen that happen before. It'll be very wild to see at the World Cup because I think I was at the at the World Cup qualifiers and we had a lot of COVID issues with the Sri Lanka team. Um, and it got to a point where um, every two days there was there were two additional cases and they had like a 16 player squad. And they were down to 10, I think, in their final game against the West Indies. They didn't play that game, but it would be interesting to see how they were going to fill that 11th spot. Uh, but obviously now you're allowed to use medical personnel. So um, the ICC is now you know, trying to grow the game in other ways. Uh, that's the way <laughs> I see it. Um, what does this, what's this team's weakness? What is England's weakness? Is it, um, I know for, for, so for instance, I look at South Africa and I know that when South Africa come, comes up against Bangladesh, India, um, in this World Cup, they're going to struggle with spin. And Pakistan as well, they're going to struggle playing spin. Um, and that's like South Africa's biggest weakness. But what is this? What is the England team's weakness? Where if you look at the side, you're like, oh, if they come up against this or, or, or if you put them in this situation, they, they're not going to uh, thrive. That's interesting, quickly, on your point, because a lot of pundits have been looking at South Africa's fixture list and going, their their first two games are against Pakistan and Bangladesh. Mm. And most of the other teams in the tournament were going, oh, fantastic. We've probably got two of the weakest teams to play first. They're rubbing their hands going, what perfect mm. practice. And then we'll have the more difficult teams. So it's interesting you say that actually for South Africa, that will pose the bigger challenge. And I mean, the playing of skills yeah. are important look, in the women's game. Look, yeah, I, I, just to add on to that, it's 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 not saying that. Uh, so for me, it, it is a, it is a, it is a pro, it is a problem for them, and the I think for me, Pakistan's taken a step back in their cricket. Bangladesh don't play a lot of ODI cricket, and having watched both teams in Zim, South Africa should win. The only issue I have is if let's say and. It's a pity that Thailand aren't in this World Cup because Thailand is the one team that could give you 50 overs of spin bowling. Um, and you just have to navigate that um, all the way through, even though obviously the pitches may not may not work. Um, but it is something, and, it, and it's, a, it's an Achilles heel that 
and Tim knows this with our with our men's team and, and even our women's team. Um, even in this series against the West Indies, the moment the spinners came on, all hell broke loose. So uh, it's one of those situations where you need like Lazal and Laura at the top to kind of give you so much of an advantage that when the spinners do come in, even against India, Puna Miadav and all those um, could could then you just obviously how can navigate. But it it, it is quite interesting because you think it's an easy fixture. I'm I'm looking at that with like well, eyes wide open, guys. Please don't do anything stupid. I mean, it's interesting as well of speaking of my experiences in the the whole women's domestic setup is the players who are getting selected for these franchise teams in the UK and then for England mm. are the ones who are playing spin because, you know, for anyone imagining in the women's game, it is nice to have pace on the ball, like so much nice because there's less mm. effort to put into it. And traditionally women being less stronger than less strong than men it's exactly what you want, a bit more pace of the ball. For example, I play men's cricket and it's fantastic. Mm. They're always like, should I slow down for you? And I'm like, no, quicken it up. I need to actually just lean on the ball. But when the spinners come on, especially those slow spinners, such as what India has, it is difficult to try and get that momentum to force it through the field and especially go over the top. And mm. that's when those players stand apart, like Brazil, Lee, Woodward, Danny Wyatt, because they can mm. bring the attack to the bowlers. But yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, and kind of links into what I would say England's biggest weakness is in one day cricket, and which was highlighted in that Ashes series with Australia, is run chases. And actually, this isn't just an English problem. I think it's a problem across women's cricket from the highest level to the lowest mm-hmm. level is that there are poor chasing records. It's an, it's an interesting comparison to make with the men's game where a lot more teams now in white ball cricket, they want to chase. They want to mm-hmm. know how many runs they need to get per over and just have that target in their mind. But in the women's games, few are very good at chasing. And I've got some stats here that, for example, Australia, their second innings average is 200. England's wow. is 177. South Africa's 164. New Zealand, 190. So even the best team sure. in the women's game is averaging 200 in a run chase. Mm-hmm. So... In that, in that Ashes series, I was saying how Australia got bowled out for 200. Any good women's side should be going 200 we, in 50 overs. We can chase that down. That's a par score, but it, it's really not. And, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, I think, on these New Zealand pitches, just hopefully they manage to strike a good balance between bat and ball and producing them. It'll, I think a good thing for the women's game is quick pitches, as a lot of people say. It's good to see that pace on the ball. It's good to mm. see those edges carrying through to the slips. But England's got to improve at chasing. And I, so I, for example, captain my club game. I love nothing more than chasing, but no one else in my team does. And obviously I have to adjust to what they want to do. But I think a lot more women's teams and England need to not panic as much when they're confronted with that run chase. And it was even highlighted in the Ashes Test match, where I think England had about four wickets in hand. They only needed 40 runs to win. Meg Lanning was doing some awful captaining, in my opinion, of saying, you've got these 10 <laughs> enders in. She had about five fielders on the boundary. And if England had just kept their head on and been calm about this, they had the ability mm. to knock around those 40 runs around the field. So Meg Lanning wasn't doing anything to stop that. But they didn't. And... They played some appalling shots. And actually, although England managed to scrape that draw in the end, they should have won it. And a lot of players from that team have remarked and saying it feels like a loss because we should have won it. So England, I mean, if I was a team playing against England, I would be 
putting them into bowl first, 100%. I want well, to see how they can deal with the pressure of the mm-hmm. run chase, especially if Heather Knight, if you take her wicket early, it could be a, a bit of a wobble for England's middle order because you've got Sophia Dunkley, who's a very good player, inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Amy Jones, who actually, although her keeping has been very good recently, her batting has not been, and she's not been in very good form at all. So get down to those two and the pressure's on. Well, based on your analysis, it looks like even in New Zealand, wouldn't the toss bat first all the time? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it is so interesting. I mean, just even throwing sometimes the pitch analysis, analysis mm. out the window. just And you see it happen a lot more in women's domestic games as well. When I commentate on them, whoever is doing the run chase, it may be just a run chase of 150. And the amount of times you see teams slump to seven down or something just before mm. they get over the line because... They're playing in their own head and overcomplicated it. And you see these disappointing shots, which is one I remark on a lot, of players trying to clear the boundary at long on when there is a field mm. at long on. N- not many players can hit those kind of shots. And there's I've been doing some research actually just yesterday mm. about I'm, I'm a massive advocate in the women's game mm. for having bigger boundaries. Okay. If you have smaller boundaries, it becomes very much a four or single game. And that's yes. not what you want in the women's game. It's a, it's a different skill set entirely. It's all about allowing them to get those twos and get those threes. And that is the way the women's game is going to improve. Mm. But with smaller boundaries, it's not possible. And people come up with this counter argument of saying, no, but they need to be smaller boundaries. We need to allow the women to hit sixes. The players who can hit sixes will still hit sixes on those boundaries. There's incredible statistics that I think it's in the women's T20 domestic competition, mm-hmm. 50% of the sixes are hit, I think, by 10 players and the other 50% is hit by four players. They are clearing the ropes on whatever ground they are playing in. So I don't know. It's, it's We've got to have these bigger boundaries and the women have just got to, I think, adjust tactically and say, we're on this field right now. If we're chasing a score of 150, we don't need to play these big hooks and be caught at long on. We need to work out where we can get a two, where we can get a three, and where we can really make the fielders work and put them under pressure. And I'm going to be very invested, I think, in this tournament because I think the team who does that best is the yes. team that's going to excel to the final. Yes, and, and, and it's essentially looking for runs in and around the square. Um, the types of field sets we've seen is always that ring field set where you've only got two fielders out, even even outside of the, the, the power outside of the power play, and then you just have a bowl shape with like six players in and around covering that. And it, it just, it doesn't work for me. Uh, and everyone's standing on the ring and there's so many ones and twos that you can have just in and around the square and the ability to just play it across the lines, you know, come in, just dot it down and see what you can do. And and the singles and twos have always been a problem, well, from a South African perspective that I have with, with, our, with our team is that, there isn't that strike rotation. If you look at the likes of Wolfhard, Lizaldi, Danae, boundary but, merchant, Marizan, boundary but, merchant. But that's where the issue lies, yes, Tim? I was just going to say, that happened in the West Indian series. We might have won mm. the series, but they were huge overs, several overs where we, where we either had top balls or we had balls going to the boundary. There was nothing in between. Mm which I was mean, incredibly frustrating. The 100 final 
uh, with the Oval Invincibles versus yes. Southern Brave. And at one point, Dan and Van Neerkirk and Marazine Cap were batting together in the middle. And they were, you know, the singles weren't being run at all. And thank goodness Southern Vipers were something like 17 for eight, because otherwise their score by the end wouldn't have been enough. Mm. But um, sorry, the Southern Brave. But um, yeah, mm. it, it's definitely a problem. And Australia, that's what they do so well, because yes. even Meg Lanning, for example, who some people now are going, she's playing a, a maybe an older version of ODI, a bit like Mitali Raj, a bit mm. of the generation before, but she still makes it work in this more modern context because of how well she rotates the strike. And it allows those players like Talia McGrath, who I'm her new biggest fan because she was incredible in the series. And I wasn't even, I didn't even mind when we lost when she was fighting <laughs> so well, but she does, she strikes the balance perfectly because she has that timing and strength to hit the spinners down the ground and hit the seamers over cover. But if she's getting a good ball, she finds a way to turn that into a single mm. anywhere because there always will be, especially in those middle overs, you can guarantee the other team is going to have their four allotted fielders out. There should be a single there, most most balls. And that's how you get up to those scores of 250, 270. And is the opposition side going to chase that down based on these statistics? They're going to have to re work really hard to get to that score. So, yeah, it's it's a completely different tactical game to men's cricket. And I think that's why it's so interesting to, to kind of compare them sometimes because it, it's so much weight and so much depends on those twos and threes. Yeah, so um, I've got one more question on my end and it's related to that match on the 14th of March, game number three for both teams. Um, South Africa will be playing England on that day. And the question to you, is in that South African team that's in New Zealand, who are you most afraid of? Who is the player that you think will take, can take the game away from England? We saw that T20, and I think T20 brings teams closer together who aren't of a, of a, of a, of a, of a sim or who have a golfing quality and just brings everything together, makes it a little bit easier. But obviously, it's a longer format of the game. There's a lot more time. Who do you think in South Africa, in the South African team, and it can be a couple of players, can take the game away from England? For me, I, I've always liked her and I agree wholeheartedly with this thing that she's got one of the best cover drives in cricket is Waldvart. And actually looking at the, the the statistics compared of her and Heather Knight, Heather Knight's got 200, no, 2,290 runs. She's got an average of about 41. Waldvart averages 44 with just as many runs, but kind of just always sneaks under the radar a bit. And I'd agree that her strike rate, maybe for the likes of T20 cricket, isn't quite mm. there yet. But for ODI cricket, I do think if she can just stay in and cement herself at the crease, it's exciting. In terms of just someone for me to watch, the Zelle is always exciting to watch, I must say. she She's very Chris Gailey in her way. Mm. And I'm either going to see her smoke the England bowlers for five sixes and get out or just get out first ball. So she doesn't waste any time. Absolutely love that. Um, the likes of, I mean, a player who I went to go see this summer, actually, just because I wanted to see her play, of course, was Ishmael. She is oh, yes. like the most brilliant, scary bowler who I've just, I would never want to face her in my life. But I think she's so exciting to watch. And when she's fired up at the crease, a lot of resemblances to Catherine Brunt, but you just, mm. you can almost feel the batters quaking in their boots. But the ability and a lot of what I kind of admire of her is just, she's so small almost in stature. And yet the pace she generates is 
I mean, if anyone wants an example of what a bowling action should be and how, as a women's bowler, you can manage to get up to those 70 miles per hour, just watch her and watch how she builds that momentum up to the crease. And then I'd say my final player, I was because I've been looking, obviously, across the mm. South Africa West Indies series, and South Africa seemed to have quite a cemented team, apart from mm. they're not sure with their, num their number three batter. They've been experimenting with three different batters. And then finally, it's their final bowling option. They've had four different bowlers trying to kind of fill in that bowling option. But for me, mm. Sekakuni. To me. I I really like her. And I, I like her bowling. I want her to be selected for these first few World Cup games. So hopefully mm. I can get to see a bit more of her. Because obviously with the timings, it's been quite difficult to watch the series. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to hopefully see her maybe cement her spot. She's yeah. a young and exciting bowler. And yes, yeah, she can get a few years in the team successfully with Cap, with Ishmael. Mm. That fast bowling almost trio together would be exceptional. And I think any any batting lineup is going to be looking at that bowling attack and going, oh my goodness, please bring the spinners on. Yeah, so Jimmy is my favourite. Um, I think she's, I just hope that, I just want her to get more game time uh, and cement that place. And I think for the pro, for the momentum purchase, it's that, yeah, that fourth Seymour role, because obviously Cup's there, you've got Ayabonga Kaka, you've also got um, Shabnam Ishmael. And so trying to figure out who that fourth uh, bowler is. It, it's, that... it's, it's not having Donovan Kirk. That's the, that's yes. an issue. That's like, she would be the one if, we ha if, mm. if she was fit. Um, yeah, not cause... having her there is, is going to have an, an effect. Hopefully not too much of an effect, but it is going to have an effect. But I think I think Tasman Brits will be batting at three. Because um, in that series, Lizelle Lee was unavailable. So um, Tasman normally opens... Well, the last time we saw Tasman play for South Africa, she opened with Lizelle and Laura batted lower down the order. So I'm not sure if we're going to try and do that or if you want to lead with Laura and, and, and Lizelle, have Tasman, Marazan, uh, Chloe Tryon in that middle order, uh, which I think is, 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 is pretty, pretty good. And, and, and I think from a balanced perspective, Marazan gives our team a little bit more uh, structure. You can have another, another. I think Coach Hilton's trying to figure out is whether they need to have a frontline spinner because uh, that's what they were trying to do, trying out Chloe Tryon, trying out Sune Lise, who's the captain. But you've got a bowler in Nokuleko Mlaba, who's very good at what she does. Um, I think England knows her well because she 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 did well in that in that game. Uh, it was actually her first uh, game at the World Cup at, in that at in Australia. So I think there's a lot of. We spoke with Hilton, I think, uh, four months ago. He seemed settled, and I think the eleven was settled. But because of the injuries to Danae, um, and Lizelle not being available for this final series, you kind of now have to figure out a way to reject. So, for instance, I've just trying to figure out if Chloe and Sune can give you those 10 overs of spin. And if they can, that opens up an, a, a corner for either Masabata Class or Dumisi Kukune to come in. Um, or even, um, oh, but Nadine's a, is, is, a, is a traveling reserve uh, for, 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 for this World Cup. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's, it's, he 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 is. If this was in September after the Western East tour, we wouldn't have any issues. But because Danae is out, it it creates so many issues in terms of how the balance of the side is is laid out. And so um, and so that because Tasman doesn't give you a bowling option, 
she's just a pure batter and you know, one of the most incredible fields I've ever seen. So um, you find uh, you find that and it's going to be quite interesting to see how the warm-ups go because obviously Lazelle will be available. Um, she's actually just uh, her partner just gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, um, and so she's she's I think she's in the MIQ right now, um, yeah. getting ready to 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 join the, with the squad. So really excited uh, to see how that's going to shape up because it's presented a lot of headaches for Coach Hilton. But as you said, it's the most experienced squad in the world because this team's been together for 10 years. The bulk of this team has been together for 10 years. And uh, for even over that, because I think Dane and Marizan have been there even before 2010. Um, so it, it's one of those situations where this is our time. That's what I was going to ask. Just, is, is this it, the best South African team you've ever seen? Maybe you can answer that one. I, I, I would say so. And, and it's why we're both a little bit nervous about this World Cup. <laughs> no, no, we should, should do well, but um, how well is, 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 is going to be the problem. Yes. But I, I, I would say, in all my years of watching women's cricket, South African women's cricket, this is the best. Because mm. even with, with Dino out, it is the most balanced. We've got mm. Arsenal in every areas of, of the team. Uh, in all departments, uh, there are no, in my in my opinion, there are no glaring weaknesses uh, that are, are popping out, which were the case in recent years. And mm. uh, we didn't have uh, enough bowling, in my opinion, but uh, we certainly do have plenty of bowling at the moment. Um, just one more question, and we have to ask it: Who's going to win the World Cup? And also, just to add on to that, what's the expectation in England for this team? I think, first of all, England's expectation, they will be going in the same we want to win. They've spoken, they've put the ashes behind them. They've gone, that's the best practice we could get. But it's so different in a World Cup. It's easy to come out of a, a series against just one team. They completely destroy you and you just feel awful. But as we've seen before with India knocking out Australia in World Cups, it can happen. All it needs is Australia to have one bad day and they could suddenly be out of this competition. And then it is a completely open bag. So I unfortunately do think that it would take a lot to stop Australia at the moment. And it pains me to say this, but they are looking like a strong squad and potential winners in this. But as I've said, I think England's eyeing up that spot. South Africa's eyeing up that spot. New Zealand is, India is. It's completely open potentially this and it's so positive to see looking into a women's sport and well in women's cricket and going not just ah oh, it's just going to be an England Australia final it's not it is not and that is brilliant to see that across the world the standards are just improving so much that now we can look ahead into this tournament and not have a clue who's going to be those final two teams at the end and that's just so exciting. You know it, it is exciting my only thing for South Africa is avoid position number four do not want to finish fourth you don't want to face australia in the semi-final i've had nightmares since that day at sydney where all of a sudden it rained and rained and rained and rained and then we had to play for six overs and they put us away so um yeah it's i yeah so that's the only pitfall for me avoid position four i can take a semi-final against england because i know i can anything can happen i can take a semi-final against any other team but Australia, but even if it does happen, um, I think from a South African perspective, the squad's been is at its best. 
Um, as, you, as, as Tim says, I think I've never seen this team look this good. I mean, and... their rankings, they're number two in the world at this format. They can wear that on their chest with pride mm. and actually go, hang on, don't write us off anymore. And I mean, I, I'm so excited when their tour mm. to England this summer got announced because it's going to be a good series. And oh, the test match, that's down in my ends of England. So I'm going to try that's and get right. to as many days of that as possible and just... South Africa and this team they've got here at the moment and maybe for the next two, three years could be absolutely unbreakable. And it's just about how after this tournament as well and going on, they prepare to bring these younger players in as well as managing the slightly older players to create this fusion of just experience and youth. And really, mm-hmm. they they should definitely have, as you said, they should have their eyes on the title because it should not be written up. Although we're all going, oh, Australia mm-hmm. this, Australia that. I would love for someone to knock Australia out. Well, look, if you're playing Australia, make sure you win the toss and score 250. Um, (laughs) And then you'll have the weight of history behind you. One last thing. How is the country feeling around this World Cup? Is it spoken about or is it just only in cricketing circles? Is there excitement? How is England working around this World Cup? Or is it just another women's sport tournament? I think there's unfortunately not been as much hype as obviously there was when England was hosting it in 2017. Mm. Um, Also, of course, the timings of the games being played basically completely overnight in um, England's time and similar to South Africa. It's going to be difficult to raise excitement. Um, And of course, you've got the men's series in West Indies, which is going to be taking on at the same place. And looking at the shambles which our men's test team is in, it's almost like, quite interesting like humans intrinsically are attached to watching suffering so I feel like a lot of people are looking at the West Indies and going oh, I can't wait to see England bowled out for 60. There's something weirdly exciting about it but hopefully mm. as England progress through this tournament and hopefully get to those final stages a few more people will get into it and stay up to listen overnight that's what I'm hoping for so that someone will actually listen to us as we're in that Manchester studio all night but there is I mean, it's difficult with a series in New Zealand, but we can take hope from the fact that when those England women's fixtures were announced for 2022, alongside the 100 games, this series against um, South Africa and India, there's been a lot of excitement and people are excited about the test match in Taunton against South Africa. They're excited against the series in India and, of course, the Commonwealth Games later on in the year. So... There is a lot of excitement around that. And hopefully once people start to wake up to the fact that there's a World Cup coming along very, very soon, that some people will tune in and be able to get behind the England girls. That's good. Well, Melissa, I'd just like to say, oh, do you have any questions for us around the South African team before we uh, close off? I do just have a quick one about just in general, because I haven't really been able to see much of it yet, about Sunil Luz's captaincy. Obviously, you've mm-hmm. got the... Dan Vanierka has been an exceptional captain across mm. loads of not only for South Africa but in the franchises for Oval Invincibles. How has Sunilu's kind of stepped up to that, and how do you think she's done so far? How do you think she's looking to go into this tournament? Look, she's not as um, she's not as Danae Vanierka reminds me of the of the cricket captain who's always busy, always involved, wants to push you. Um, she's a She's she she's has not, she's, not, she's, she's not vocal enough. Like Dana. Yes. Dana was very, very, yes. very vocal. That's yes. yeah. Danae, yeah, I was actually saying Danae is Marzan Cup 
but not as scary, but similar personality traits. So Danae, like even in commentary, you listen to Danae, her frustrations come through if things go go wrong. Whereas Danae's more personable, she's more teammate oriented, she's more wanting to get the best out of you. Um, and 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 not saying Danae doesn't do that, but she's a lot more quiet. Uh, she's got a great cricketing brain on her. I think a lot of people find her. Uh, we'll find her quite different to Danae in that she's more laid back, allowing people to be able to do their things. The one crime I have, the one issue I have, is she's a leg spin bowler. I'm a fan of leg spin bowling. I think she should bowl herself a lot more. If she does that, it solves the whole Danae Fanica missing situation because I think she's a much better bowler than Danae. She just doesn't bowl herself a lot more. Um, her batting is something that... I've had a problem with throughout the past couple of years. I've always thought that she was bubbling in on the, she could be the next one dropped, uh, largely because I think she hasn't taken that step up in, in international cricket to put the big numbers down. I don't think she has a, a century to her name in ODI cricket. So that's something that I'm, I'm worried about or if she might have won. Um, so that's one thing I've always been worried about. But from a captaincy perspective, especially in the New Zealand, in the uh, West Indies series, to come from one nil down, after the first game being rained out and you watching a player en route to 150 and probably even 200 if it didn't rain in Johannesburg that night, um, to get the team uh, back on track to then win that ODI series from 1-0 down with, three ga with, with a three-game series effectively says a lot about who you are and the way you do it. And, and it's similar to what you've spoken about. They've tried everything. They chased down a score, they also uh, set a score and, and, and strangled everybody. But in the field, she was perfect. I love the way she moved the team around. Um, she, but, but, and I think for, for, for me, and, and at this level of cricket, um, as you say, it, you can strangle teams. And what they managed to do was to be able to uh, strangle the West Indies in those middle overs. Yes, there were injuries. Every time the West Indies went out to bat, there was an injury. It was just insane. Um, it happens with their men's team as well. You just go out and <laughs> so much. You fill up with a cramp. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, and if you think about it, you've got DeAndre Dodson, Stefani Taylor, you've got Heather, uh, Heather Ma Haley Matthews, who are a really good core of that West Indies side, and she handled them like pros. She knew everyone's weaknesses. She knew which bowler bowled better. Even with the chopping and changing of that fourth bowler or that batting lineup, it actually worked. And I'm really happy for her. I think she's now captain 19 games. So the first game of the World Cup would be a 20th. So um, I think she's the best leader out of this group. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people would be looking to Laura, but Laura's also very quiet. Um, she just obviously leads with her bat and scores 50 runs every three innings because that's what Laura does. Um, so, yeah, so I'm happy with Sinead Liz. I just want her to bowl herself more, especially if they're not going to play Nongkululeko Mlaba. If you're going to play Mlaba, that's fine. And they'll be. The, and, and I think for me, it's just identifying where to play 20 overs of spin and when not to. Because I do think the default for South African cricket is always 40 overs of seam, 10 overs of spin. I'd like to go 20 overs of spin and or even 15 to 20 overs of spin and 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 the rest be seen. So it's just trying to find that balance. Marizan will be back. Ayabong is going to be there. Shabnim's there. I'd say yes. I know it's going to be a detriment to Dumi, but play Nongbilogam Laba and then have have Chloe and Sine, uh 
cover those because I do think there's value in women's cricket to carrying more spinners and playing more overs of spin than there are, even in New Zealand. So that's the one thing I'd be interested to see how she navigates that going through and also navigates um, navigates uh, defences because I think the one problem with this team is they can score 250, but the next day they'll score 160. And 160 could be in the ambit for all the other teams in and around this World Cup, West Indies, um, Pakistan and Bangladesh as well. So you, you could find yourself in like some squeaky bum time against West Indies. They got out and they did a while and they managed to win. But I don't think they can get out of jail as much as possible. Uh, more games. But obviously, Lizal's back, Marzan's back. That eases a lot of pressure off of Sunay. So I'm really excited to see what she will do. And I hope that she can be holding that trophy at the end because if she does, she will, because I think, Melissa, this is the best cricket team in South Africa. I don't care about our men's team. This is the best <laughs> cricket team in South Africa. This is the one we should be watching, not the shambles that's happening in New Zealand. I can so, confirm that because I watched some of the last tests and it's some time I've never been able to get back in my life. It was. <laughs> Why did you do that? Oh, you like suffering. Uh, you, you just told oh, yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. As I said, I'm saying <laughs> South Africa and England in the test series right now and the whole world will watch. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, well, it's happening in, in July and Tim's probably going to be so excited. Um, but yeah, so Melissa, thank you very much for joining us and we'll be touching base with you throughout the tournament. Um, if South Africa meet England in the final or in the semi-final, best believe we're going to be calling you back. Um, we're going to have some lovely banter um, as we try and navigate this World Cup. But all the best to your team, all the best to your commentary. Um, we'll be looking out for you if it's not geo-blocked. Hopefully it was, it isn't. Um, to be listening to you. Uh, if not, have a great day and a great tournament. And I hope I wish you all the best. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. Cheers, thank cheers, Melissa. Thanks sure, for coming thanks. on. Tim, thank you very much for organizing it, my friend. We're going to have more of these um, and we're going to try and get you all representatives from all eight teams. You've seen England. There are seven more to go. Uh, six more to go because we're one of them. Oh, but we've got one. Yeah, we'll have a South African one as well. So, we, yeah. So, thank you very much yes, for that. I was going to say, we've, we've got a South African one lined up. Yes. Yes. Right. So, watch the yeah, space. So <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. And also, watch the space for our commentary schedules for the Women's World Cup, as well as that tour, to Bangl that tour of Bangladesh, the inbound tour of Bangladesh. So, um, yeah. Thank you very much, Tim. Have a great day. To all our viewers and our listeners, goodbye and lesale. Kakafiso.